Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Brad Gray. This is episode number 32. And uh, on today's show, I, I'm just absolutely thrilled to be joined by Charlotte Getz. Uh, Charlotte is a writer, an editor, uh, she's an author, she's also a conference speaker living uh, in California. Uh, and I've known Charlotte for a number of years now. Um, we've done some ministry stuff together with Rooted Ministries. Um, but I've only recently met her in person. Um, actually, it was this year that I met her in person at the Mockingbird Conference in New York. Um, that's one of those uh, oddities of the social media world that we live in right now, where we can connect with people and quote-unquote follow people and feel like we know them without ever having met them. But um, in any case, uh, I was just privileged to sit down with Charlotte and just kind of catch up on all the things she's been doing, um, the things she's been writing uh, and been passionate about for uh, with both Mockingbird, Rooted Ministries, and even her own uh, writing endeavors with a new book that she co-wrote with uh, Stephanie Phillips on Maps, We'll uh, kind of dive into that. We also dive into um, Rooted Ministries specifically, and um, uh, we kind of talk about uh, the importance, the extreme importance in our current church culture and climate for gospel-centered youth ministries. Uh, that's something that I am uh, uh, supremely um, passionate about, and I know Charlotte is as well, and uh, that's why she does a lot of great work for Rooted Ministries, and so we'll, we'll, we'll uh, dive into that. Uh, this was just a great episode, a great conversation, so enjoy uh, enjoy this show, uh, grab your coffee and sit back and just kind of relax and, and take this one in. Uh, before we begin, though, uh, today's show, of course, is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which inspires lifelong discipleship and helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word. To find out more about the Christian Standard Bible, go to csbible.com. They are the presenting sponsor of the show. They're also the sponsor of the blog, graceupongrace.cc, which you might be listening this uh, podcast on. Uh, in any case, I'm um, th- really thankful for the Christian Standard Bible and the stuff that they're doing. Uh, but now it's time for Charlotte Getz. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining me today, Charlotte. How are you doing out there on the West Coast? Doing great, Brad. Excited to be uh, chatting with you today. I know. I'm so happy to 
make this happen. You know, believe it or not, I've done, you know, around 30 of these or so now. And I, I was looking back and I was like, you know, I've never done one with a female guest. I need to fix that. So you should be I honored. You're my so first honored. female guest. <laughs> I'm so excited I, you had this revelation. <laughs> I know. I kind of, I kind of woke up to, it and I was like, I need to fix that. So I'm so glad to be chatting with you, um, and so glad to talk with you. But let's kind of just start right at the beginning, though, uh, with you. Just uh, if you can, just introduce yourself, and you know, as many or as few words as you feel necessary. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. Well, uh, my name is Charlotte Getz. And I currently live in Long Beach, California with my family. I have um, two children, ages three and four. So we're in it with kids right now. Mm. Um, and But I'm originally from Alabama. Mm. So that's, yeah, I, I think my day, so my day job is I am the editor-in-chief at Rooted Ministry. Um, but I also am a writer myself and have just uh, recently published a book called Unmapped which is co-authored yeah. by my friend, Stephanie Phillips. Um, and I am a contributor at Mockingbird. That's awesome. I love all the stuff that you're doing, Charlotte. And, you know, um, we've been working together for a little bit, uh, a couple of years now via yeah. email, but um, I was so excited to finally meet you at Mockingbird in New York. Um, I thought that was really cool. And uh, it's kind of always, it's always neat to kind of meet the people you uh, connect with online, you know, in person. It's one of those yes. weird 21st century realities. <laughs> the weirdest part, I feel like, of my job as an editor, but also working with <laughs> Mockingbird is there are so many people that I have known for years, sometimes through the internet and like by emailing and messaging, but that I, it, you know, I won't actually meet them in person for years but I'm like I feel like I've known you for a long time but I think it was so good to put yeah. a face to your work and your name um I just mm -hmm. I loved getting to meet you that Always. was fun yeah it was well before we kind of jump into that conference which I want to speak about but um if you don't mind um it, can you kind of share your salvation testimony how you came to know Jesus as your savior yeah so I Okay, when I when I tell this story, I always preface it with on any given day, you'll get like a different variation of this story because I really feel like <laughs> God has been and Jesus have been pursuing me for so long. Mm. And it's, you know, I've, res I've wrestled with it for um, a really long time. Um, mm. So I grew up, uh, like I said, in Alabama in a Christian um, household. And I would say we went to church out of, you know, it, it's the Bible belt. So we went because that's what you did. Um, I went to Sunday school. So I've always grown up having these stories um, ingrained in me mm -hmm. and really the gospel, I, I wouldn't have been able to identify it this way, but um, Paul's all was my minister growing up. So like I was hearing the gospel. I just, I don't think I was really listening. I think I was probably looking at all the cute boys in the crowd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and an issue I think with my faith early on was that I was a really scared girl. I mean, obviously I'm a scared woman now, <laughs> but I was nighttime was like a real, like very real source of like struggle and pain for me. I was sort of an insomniac. Like I couldn't, I had a lot of trouble getting to sleep. And I think in that like restlessness, um, my brain would just start to be terrified about like the most bizarre things. Like all the, when I was in my first fear that I can remember was appendicitis, which is so weird. And as a mm. kindergartner to even know what appendicitis was, but 
So that ranging, ranging from appendicitis to ghosts. Anyway, um, let me make this story shorter. I, I really had, had trouble believing or like accepting God because he would not seemingly take those fears away from me. You know, it was years and years and my mom gave me the, you know, children's storybook Bible and, um, you know, had me, you know, obviously I was like praying and it, they just kept hanging around. So I just, I really had trouble believing in a God who wouldn't like love me a lot enough to like relieve that suffering. Um, ultimately this is such a long story. I'm like, which way am I going to go with this? Uh, (laughs) my senior year of high school, um, there, was a string of deaths in my life that really kind of put me over the edge um, as far as like doubt and unbelief and sort of, um, I don't know what, you know, I should ask my mom this actually. Um, She signed me up to go on a mission trip that summer and maybe it was, maybe she was driven to do that more because, because I had experienced all of this um, awfulness that year but we went, I went because that's, you know, I did what my mom told me to do. Um, went to Bolivia with my church and a pretty small group of both teenagers and adults. And there was something about being amidst that poverty. I mean, it, you know, just unimaginable poverty, you know, people living in under tarps, you know, in like acres and acres of these like little tarp houses and Hmm. with like buckets outside um, gathering rainwater for water and not, not to compare, you know, me experiencing some real loss of loved ones um, to, to that kind of poverty. I guess you can, but (laughs) they not only were these people in this like deep, deep, awful poverty, they were so faithful um and they loved God so much that it was like the first inclination that I had that maybe I was wrong in thinking that in order for there to be a loving God, he would take away my suffering. You know what I mean? Like maybe you can suffer and there can be a reason for it. You can suffer and God can still love you immensely. And really maybe I can suffer and I can love God immensely, you know? Um, because maybe I didn't, maybe it wasn't that I didn't believe in him, but, but that I was angry with him. Um, anyway, that's the, that's, that's a, I say that's a, a short version of it, but I guess that was pretty long. <laughs> there are a lot of, there are a lot of like, you know, peaks and troughs, you know, that continue on in that story. But that, that was really the first time that I really started to take ownership of my own faith instead of mm. um, the faith that I was born into. Sure. Yeah. And it's always interesting to see how God draws us to himself and even using little events like that, or even I should say big events like that in your trip to Bolivia to kind of reveal something of yourself. Um, And, you know, they always say that, you know, when people come back from mission trips that I learned more about myself than anything else on this trip or whatever. And that cliche, though, is quite true more often than not, Mm -hmm. I'm finding. And um, I'm sure it was for you. Um, but that's so cool to hear how kind of God taught you that lesson. And I'm sure that's um, a lesson you're still being taught and one that I oh. guess would fuel a lot yes. of what you uh, write about and, and speak about. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, pretty much. I feel like it's like always, I mean, isn't that all of our questions? Like if God loves yeah. me, how could he let this happen? Um, mm. Or why do I feel this way? Or um, anyway, there, that, that's like, that's a, that's a, a longer conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but you did mention though, that you're um, now living in Long Beach. I think you mentioned that Long Beach, California. Um but I know, uh, obviously, you're from the South. You're from Alabama. I think you yes. also have lived in Georgia or somewhere oh, like yes. that. So I've lived all over. Kind, <laughs> kind of tell us how a Southern girl went out to the West Coast. So I, um, I actually went to undergraduate in Southern California. So mm-hmm. I have lived on this coast before. Um, and mm-hmm. like you mentioned, yes, I've lived in all those places and more. Um, I have just, I've been wandering, not intentionally. It's just kind of been the way my life is tracked. Um, I've just lived in a lot of places. Um, and my husband and I were living in Georgia when we had our first son and we're pregnant with our daughter and we're really eager to move back to the South where my whole family is. Um, my husband's from Illinois, but he's really fallen in love with the South as well. And, um, you know, I think we'd seen our cousins and um, siblings just, but their lifestyle, their being with the grandparents and um, be with each other. I have just a really close family. And then it just seemed like it was time to plant some roots. And right kind of as we decided to do that, Uh, it did not, it panned out that my husband sort of got a job offer that we couldn't refuse, um, Mm. because of the experience that he was going to have at this really amazing company. Uh, but it was not located in Alabama. It was located, uh, here in Los Angeles. And so we Mm. sort of found ourselves in a situation where we, yeah, we just kind of had to take this leap, um, and follow that job a little bit blindly. I think it just felt mm. like that. It, it felt like God had kind of put us into a corner in a good way. I mean, not in a way that felt good at the time, but where it yeah. was like, this was, this is the way this is going to go. You're going to, you're going to take this job. Like we would have been idiots to not, to not <laughs> do it. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why we're here. We've been here for almost two years now. And uh, it has been, as you, if you've read the book, <laughs> a just a it's been a crazy experience it was it really hard to bring to move out here with two little kids and has turned in to just the most wonderful um just blessing filled time i just can't picture our lives any other way so you know god is weird um but <laughs> <laughs> it's all working out <laughs> Yes, he is. He has a weird and winding ways that he yes. brings us um, to his will. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not I didn't make quite as big of a move. But, you know, I'm a I'm a southern boy myself growing up in South Carolina. Yes. But I ventured out into the south of South Florida. And um, that same sort of trepidation and fears you might have had is I, I'm familiar with. And they yeah. resonate with me. Just, that, you know, stepping out in the unknown is very uh very fearful but um i i used i always think that you know as long as you're stepping out with god behind you it's not yeah. really unknown it's just kind of unseen right. right and um that can kind of be fearful but it can also be really enlivening for your faith cuz um i i'll just share a quick testimony is the fact that when i did that 
me and my wife moved. We were barely a year into our marriage, and we moved away from our family uh, to South Florida. And that was one of the most important things that have helped that has helped our marriage just go stronger oh, is because yeah. we clung to each other. And so it's interesting to see how God uses uh, events like that to kind of shape and mold and transform us. And uh, you never know how he's going to use those later on in life. So. Oh, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you um, kind of what you were saying, though, is that that move, uh, I think, is the basis or one of the bases for your book, Unmapped. Yes. Um, can you kind of share the story behind that book and kind of what inspired you to co-write it with Stephanie? Yes. So Stephanie um, is also a contributor at Mockingbird. So she and I had been following each other, um, you know, through our articles, but also on social media, um, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I had written an article, I guess, probably like maybe a little over two years ago about us having to move to California and my complicated feelings <laughs> about that. <laughs> and Stephanie reached out. Um, I think she sent me a Facebook message and was like, it's so weird that you're, you know, going through this because we think we're about to have to move to Australia. So she lived in Atlanta mm -hmm. at the time. I lived in Auburn, Alabama, and we were both kind of being forced out West. Obviously she much further than I, um, <laughs> And I think just over the next few days, we sort of jokingly were like, oh, man, we should totally write a book about this. And then it quickly became like, wait a minute, why wouldn't we try to do this? So we kind of messed around with it for like a year, um, just sort of casually sending each other essays that might go in it. Um, and it reached a little bit of a slump. Um Somewhere, I, I I cannot remember years. I'm like the worst at years. But somewhere in that year, um, about, let's say, six months into it, I think it kind of petered out. Like, it really felt like, eh, this probably isn't going to happen. We weren't really finding a rhythm or what it was going to look like. And then something happened. I had a conversation with an editor, I think, from Zondervan about a whole something with, involving Rooted, a Rooted project. And I just asked him, I was like, what, you know my friend and I are, are working on a book together, you know, like what would make this a book that, you know, an editor or a publisher would want to publish. And I don't even remember what his answer was. I didn't, we didn't take his advice. I know that, but whatever he <laughs> said made me feel like we got to do this. Like we can do this. And we sort of put it out there on social media, like, Hey guys, get ready. This is coming. And Dave's all, um, got wind of that. Um, who is the, you know, director of Mockingbird and yeah. the editor in chief there. And he, he reached out to us and was like, I've heard that y'all are something's brewing and I want, um, I would love to, for us to be a part of it. And so we, anyway, that is, that, that's sort of how it came to be. Now unmapped, if you read it, is like a very, there's not really another book like it. We call it a spiritual memoir duet. There are essays, there are plays, there's some what we call pocket liturgy. It is a whirlwind. Um, and that really just developed as we were doing it. You know, it's funny writing a book with another uh, really, I don't know, she's Stephanie and I are both, I guess, kind of like zany and yes people. <laughs> and so any weird idea that one of us would have, we're like, well, why don't we try it? Like, why not? Let's, let's do this. And so that's, 
it just sort of slowly became what it actually is. Um, hmm. But it, it was really, it was so fun to write and excited about it. Oh, I'm so excited. It's sitting in my Amazon cart, so I have to just click buy and then we'll uh, go. Gotta get there. it. I know I'm I I'm so behind on these books these days, but um, I I was really I was really intrigued by it when I when I because uh, I you know, obviously I was at Mockingbird and you your you and Stephanie's presentation there was so unorthodox but so cool at the same time uh, I I really enjoyed that <laughs> and it, and if anyone's listening um, if you have not seen their presentation, you need to uh, adjust that right now. I think um, it's going up. Um, they're posting the video of it, which is like extra hilarious because Mark Babico, <laughs> who does the audio video stuff, has like made a whole thing of it. Um, I think they're putting that up on the website in the next few days. So look out oh, for it there. Great. As soon as this, hopefully by the time this, this pod goes up, it'll be uh, linked there. And if show, it'll be in the show notes. But anyways, um, if you kind of had to summarize the book, though, what what would you say, or who who's this who's this book for? Uh, if if you can answer that, you know that I think that you know Stephanie Stephanie and I are both mothers to young children, and so that comes into it in a big way. Um, so I think that our the demographic that we wouldn't have to work to get interested in it are mothers and women. <laughs> um, that being said, we have had so many, so much feedback from men, from mm. women who are much older. Um, there's a girl who used to be in my youth ministry who's single, no kids, but she struggles a lot with anxiety and depression, which Stephanie and I talk about quite a bit in the book. And she's really just been, um, it, it, it's meant a lot to her, which is so cool. And I think, so I think that the, our target <laughs> would probably be, again, um, sort of younger moms, but I think that mm -hmm. it has much broader reach than that because really, really what the book is about is being upended from your plans, right? Being, um, just tossed out into the wilderness, um, for whatever reason are, you know, the story that we're telling in this book is having to move, um, from our, you know, cozy little lives. Um, but that, but really, you know, we all have gone through that a million times, whether it's a parent getting yep. ill or, you know, um, getting pregnant accidentally, which happened to my husband and I, like on our honeymoon, we have a honeymoon baby and we were not planning on children. Um, and uh, so I think it's really universal in that way. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's something that really everybody can can relate to. Oh, one hundred percent. You know that that whole notion of upended plans. While it takes various forms, it's uh, a very it's it's sort of like the human language, I would say. Uh, especially for me, recently, you know, I've I've written about this and I've talked about this with a couple of my friends. Is is you know, uh, sometimes when God uh, shuts the door, He doesn't always open a window. Sometimes right. He just wants you to be where you are, and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, that's really resonating because he, God is always um, upending our perceived, you know, five-year plans for our lives. Yes. And uh, that's actually a good thing. And I think when you come to grips with that, um, however difficult that may be, uh, you're always coming to grips with something that God is doing in your life. And if, if, if you're presentation from Mockingbird is any indication, I am, I know for sure that I'm going to resonate with uh, 
the whole book, even though I don't wear yoga pants or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it, I, I think that, um, well, just to what you said, the thing that comes to mind, which is a huge theme and unmapped is the Israelites, you know, like how peculiar it is that God took them the way he did to get to the mm. promised land, you know, yes. like there must be something in the middle of the wandering, not yep. just in getting to your destination, you know, or getting to the, whatever that perceived thing is that, that will make you finally happy or whatever. Like there must be something about the time before that, you know, the large yeah. time, you yeah. know, you know, like the now and the not yet, basically. Hmm. I, I That's a great example. And the other one I was, I was, I think of always, I go back to this one is the one from, um, where, where King David is proposed to build a temple and God tells him no. And, you know, that idea that God denies him this good intention of his right. heart, it kind of upends sort of his plans for his own legacy and all that, all those kind of notions. And that reality, I think, is sort of what you're speaking to. And I think what we all are affected by is our plans for the rest of our lives and how we plan to you know, carefully um, articulate our legacies and how people remember us. And I think that's really important, especially I think like as you're saying and as you're writing to for for moms who who, um, perhaps feel that weight of legacy perhaps more than other people realize. Right. Yes. Um, So I'm really thankful for that book. I can't wait to get my hands on it and read it. And then if anyone else is listening, uh, I advise you to do the same. Um, but uh, going back, though, to um, what we were talking about, the um, the Mockingbird Conference, I was thankful to meet you. But uh, what was one of the things that you that kind of stood out to you from this year's event? Oh, that's a that's that's a tough one. Let me think about that. Um, <laughs> I really think that. Okay, so here's the thing, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, while I was really, while I was like present in all of the talks, up until my talk, I, like being very, or Stephanie in my talk, like the, the anxiety there leading up to a big talk in front of a lot of people, I feel like I am slowly, like I need to go back and, and, and listen to other ones to like really ingest them better. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I think that, and then I got, and then I became like deathly ill. But I think that <laughs> one, I literally like two hours after the talk was like everything hit the fan. But mm. one of the coolest things just about every Mockingbird conference is just the environment and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, like the, those are the things to me that really make the conference. Um, and, but okay, hold on. Let me backtrack. The the talk that stands out to me the most, I think is actually Dave Zoll's talk. Um, I think that it resonated. He really spoke about, um, just, I would say like, being incarnational with people, I think would be my biggest mm-hmm. takeaway. Like the, you know, yeah. the, he kept talking about like smelling another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found that really, really relevant in the time that we live in. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So Dave, Dave's was for sure the standout talk to me, but again, I feel like it's not a fair fight because 
I was nervous and not fully taking it in. <laughs> I would have to say I'm the same way, uh, though, in terms of which one resonated with me the most, just because, um, well, number one, I love Dave, but also, too, the idea and just the way he articulated the fact that it's hard to be angry with someone you can smell is just yes. such a really real you know, thing that we face with, you know, like online bullying and anonymous yes. Twitter accounts and whatever. And it's really easy for people to hide behind their, their avatars, you know, and that might sound really trite, but it's very true. Um, oh, and yeah. it's so easy to be dismissive of another person's viewpoint because you don't have to be in the same room with them the next day. Well, even thinking hour. about that in terms of what's going on right now at our southern borders, like I've seen, it shocks me, but there, I have a few people yep. on Facebook who are like, it's totally like, I don't get what the big deal is. And I'm like, yeah, all right, you go stand in the presence of that and tell me you mm -hmm. feel the same way. You know what I mean? It's like we're unable yep. to empathize anymore or something because it seems so distant from our actual realities which are really just virtual realities <laughs> exactly so where it's it's so easy to like you know tow those party lines when <laughs> when we don't have to like as dave would say smell the other person yeah and, uh, i think that's what really impacted me you know and it's it's something that i'm sure i felt but i never really grasped it it never was like it never congealed in the same way that you know, you know when dave says something it's usually very cohesive and coherent yeah and um so i was very that, that it, it really impacted me and also too it was my first time in new york city as, as i kind of mentioned to you when your, we, i forgot it was your first time in new yeah. york city yeah it was yeah. i i was taking in everything and loving the experience but i as you mentioned um the conference itself is an experience in and of itself just because oh, yeah. of the people who are there yeah and uh i I enjoyed that the most, just meeting people and talking to people of, from an sundry of backgrounds, yeah. and they're here, and we're hearing this great, glorious message of grace the whole and there, time. There's, like, a freedom and a peace yep. about Mockingbird, yep. and, yeah. and, like, almost, like, it doesn't feel competitive. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's really it's a special conference, I think. And, and I really mean that in an unbiased way, you know, like I, yeah. I, I really, I just love, I personally just love being there, you know? Oh, like 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is almost like camp. All these yeah. old friends and buddies gathering together. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you though, um, if you can kind of share how you kind of became involved with Mockingbird? Cause I know you write there regularly as, uh, as well. Yeah, so I really, this goes back to my childhood um, and having the Zolls, uh, Paul Zoll being the minister of our church. I've known Dave for a long time and went to school with his younger brother, Simeon. Um, so, and, and then Dave and I reconnected. He and I were both youth ministers, um, mm -hmm. I guess in the earlier 2000s. And, um, Long story short, I so I've always been, I, I studied writing in undergraduate. That was my degree. Um, always loved writing as a kid. But at some point, um, I got away from that a little bit. Obviously, I said I just became a, I became a youth minister. Then I went back to school to study photography because I felt like I wasn't 
getting my creative juices going. Anyway, trying to trying to mesh art and ministry is tough. <laughs> um, so eventually, I became I actually became a teacher, and I was teaching photography at a Christian school. So I felt like, oh, I kind of found found that combo of um, you know getting to be creative while also um, ministering. And I was fired from that job in a really <laughs> ugly, like embarrassing awful way that also wasn't really my fault anyway it's a whole mess it's in the book you can read the story it's actually <laughs> comical if you're not me um and I got fired so like three days after Alex and I got married my husband and I got married um and just was totally lost you know it's like what what am I gonna do you know um and I really I reached out to Dave I don't know what made me think of it but it was like this will give me a purpose I'm just gonna write about what happened and that was the first article I ever wrote for Mockingbird Mm. that was 2012 the end of 2012 and it was about me being fired from this job um yeah so that's the that's how I first started writing for them now I like about a you know, two weeks after my first article found out I was accidentally pregnant. So then I stopped writing for Mockingbird for a long time because then I had a baby. Um, and that, but then I, I would say for about the last three or four years have been a, a regular contributor there. Yeah, that's awesome. I've loved contributing with Mockingbird. I'm so glad to be a part Yay. of that family. So that's awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. Let's kind of shift gears a, just ever so slightly. Um, but because we haven't really talked about this much, but um, let's sort of speak to your involvement with Rooted Ministries, which yes. um, we I've been involved with for a while. Um, and just if you can kind of tell our listeners what Rooted is all about and how you came to work as the editor editor in chief there. Yes. Okay. So Rooted Ministry, I am so excited to tell you guys about. Hmm. Um, I guess. Maybe six years ago, uh, my friend Cameron Cole, who was actually my co-youth minister back in the day, hmm. um, started to realize, uh, or start maybe not realize, but be, really be, I think, disturbed by the fact that youth ministry as a whole in America was so um, law and morality driven, hmm. um, and he decided to start this ministry, Rooted Ministry. Um, It started with a conference um, where we would promote grace-driven youth ministry, which, believe Mm. it or not, I mean, you know this, is a real kicker. Like, that's it's not something... It's something that I think um, even people who are involved in Rooted... I don't even know. Well, that's not the right thing to say. It's just grace is an uncomfortable thing to preach. I think particularly to teenagers because we worry that if we preach grace, then they're going to go out and sleep with their boyfriend and they're going to go out and, you know, start doing drugs, whatever. Um, And as a parent, I completely get that. But I think that that is why that's sort of the root of why it's just, it's so hard. It's such a particularly difficult thing to teach to teenagers mm-hmm. and for that to be the root of our message to teenagers. But so that rooted began that way as a conference. Now um, we have a very successful blog. We publish um, our, our, our two focuses are to youth ministers. So it's, we're not preaching to teenagers. We're preaching to youth ministers and also now to parents because parents are obviously the um, you know number one youth minister in their child's life. 
So if you go on the blog, um, we have sort of two different wings. One wing is the youth minister. The other is the parent. We publish five youth minister articles a week, one a day, and two parent articles that eventually, you know, once we have the capacity, we'll go up to five and stop there. Um, The parent side of it has been really cool, maybe less because parents are utilizing it and more because it's become a tool, I think, for youth ministers. I don't know if you experience this, Brad, but so many of the youth ministers we talk to have so much trouble connecting with the parents of their students. Hmm. And so the parent having these articles to give them um, to then send to their parents as like a point of connection. Um, we find that a, a ton of our youth ministers are, are doing that, you know, where they just send a mass email to their parents linking, you know, to um, this this rooted art article that we've published. So it's been it's been neat to see how that has come to play. But so we have the blog um, and then our conference is really I mean, I'm, I'm just like on a conference high right now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the rooted conference is unbelievable. Like there is literally no conference for youth ministers. Like what we put on, which is, you know, and and the plenary sessions, we're just pouring out the gospel message. And then even in all the breakout sessions, you know, you're getting practical things to latch on to, but they're all rooted in the gospel of grace. So it's it's really, I feel um, an embarrassment of riches that I get to be (laughs) a part of these two ministries. It's really unbelievable. I I would just say amen to all of that. And just because, you know, it was... I would say it was by divine appointment that I met Cameron in 2015. How Um, how did y'all meet? I don't know this. Yeah, actually. Okay, so I was at the 2015 Liberate Conference in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And he was giving a breakout uh, talk there on this very thing of gospel, grace-centered youth ministry. It was called something like that. And I was sort of coming out of a time where, um, you know, I've told a story before where I was kind of pushed out of a church because I was kind of speaking this type of message and people were uncomfortable with it and they didn't like things that I was writing, blah, blah, blah. So it was very resonating to me. It was, it was very resonant to me to have someone like Cameron go uh, speak to me and say, don't don't stop in what you're yes. trying to do, regardless yes. of whether you feel you know, sort of the pushback and the, and the uh, resistance to that message. And because it's the only thing these kids need. And yes. so I was able to just chat with him for a long time after his talk. And it was so encouraging to meet him. And, you know, from there I've been able to um, uh, contribute with you guys. And just, yeah. I've been so thrilled by what Rooted has done and what they are continuing to do um, for youth ministers, just because there is such a, I think there is a great dearth of writing uh, for youth ministries and there. It's almost like the forgotten position sometimes (laughs) in churches. And um, which is sad because, you know, you're speaking to the incumbent generation of, of people that are going to, you know, one day lead the church and be speaking at our conferences and whatnot. And I mean, so, that, that's the most, I think, exciting part. Sorry, I cut you yeah, off, but that no. was, that's the most exciting part about Rooted. Um, yeah. I think to all of us who work there, because, you know, I mean, there are these statistics that show that the reason why kids are leaving the faith is because they were not taught the gospel. Yep. You know, they were yep. not taught of a God who loves sinners and, um, you know, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Yep. And so it's not just, oh, we love teenagers. 
and we want to work with them in particular. I mean, that all that's true, but it's, we are building, we are, we are trying to form faithful adults, you yes. know? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like, it feels like this like forefront of kingdom work to me, mm. you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like as exciting as it would be to like go to Nicaragua or something. It feels like this is so important and so lacking yep. in the ministry world. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I feel like one of the hardest parts, one of the hardest things it rooted for me as the editor in chief is, you know, I mean, as you know, well, like as a youth minister, you are like, you need practical advice on like, how you know it's like it's all good and well to want to preach the gospel of grace to teenagers but like practically like what does that look like on an yeah. on a daily and hourly a weekly basis yeah and so it's really i find it really challenging to try to offer that try to offer like imperatives i guess if you will to youth ministers while also incorporating the gospel so i feel like that's <laughs> one of the biggest challenges um I, th- I find, yeah, I think in my job there. Oh, um, yeah, I totally agree. Just because you're you're trying to try to f- finding the line the, of the, the balance between, you know, getting the your your class to co- sort of understand how free grace motivates you, and mm-hmm. I think that's a very hard discussion to have, especially with with kids who are. Uh, have an ever decreasing um, attention span, um, which makes even things more difficult for nuanced conversation about it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what I love, though, about Rooted. And, and I know I'm biased because I've been a part of it for a while. But I, and I think what you said is true. You're kind of pioneering sort of this um, area of accurate articulation of grace for teenagers, which is mm-hmm. something that I think is so, so important. Because like you said, mm-hmm. you're not just ministering to kids because you love kids you are trying to educate and sort of disciple adults so that way when they get into quote-unquote a big service they're not shocked by a certain message or something and i think that's what i've noticed a lot is that the way we teach our kids is different than the way we preach in quote-unquote you know adult services right which is kind of odd to me um it's kind of and you, maybe we don't preach on Song of Solomon or whatever, but maybe we do, you know, we we do preach one hundred percent the free grace of God to teenagers, and right. yeah, maybe some people are uncomfortable with that, but that's kind of the point, I would say. <laughs> right. right. Yes. yes. For sure. And so, anyways, I I just love the message of Rooted. I love what you guys are doing, and I'm so. Again, uh, I kind of sound like a broken record, but I'm really thankful to be a part of that. And um, as sort of the editor-in-chief there and sort of knowing your background in youth ministry uh, as I do, um, what would you say or what would you identify as, as are some of the like unique challenges or sort of obstacles to this current generation of youth ministers? I mean, I think the big thing, you could probably answer this in a way better than I could, but I mean, the the biggest things are, um, I mean, social media and screen time. Like there, there are so many statistics right now about the correlation between screens and anxiety and depression and anxiety and depression are just like, are just rampant in teenagers. I mean, those have nothing to do with the gospel, but I feel like that's, 
I, that's one of the biggest things that I feel like parents and youth ministers are all freaking out about. Um, but I think that there, there seems to be to me that something that I've been experiencing really just in the last couple of months that I've been seeing amongst youth ministers. And I obviously have contact with a lot of youth ministers is there seems to be a real, I think we're trying to hone in on what the gospel means mm. actually means. Do you know what I mean? Like there, that word has become so loosey goosey um, <laughs> in the broader Christian world. Um, and I think that it rooted, we're trying to establish that as the gospel of grace mm. in particular. Mm. Um, because that's what we believe the gospel is. Um, I think that that <laughs> I'm not answering this well, but I think that no. that is really hard to marry with, you know, what the the Christian life looks like in general, which is so much of what youth ministry youth ministers want to be teaching their kids, which is also, you know, the you know God's laws is is good, and we should be teaching that. But um, there, yeah, I, I'm not answering this well. I don't know. <laughs> there, there seems to be still, there seems to be a real tension to me. Like that I've encountered a few youth ministers lately who like don't, you know, it's like the gospel of grace looks antinomian to them, you know, mm -hmm. or like confusion about what, what it all, what, what means what. I don't know. I'm, well, I'm not, that was a terrible answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's fine. And I think that's. I think, well, what you said at the outset was very true and it's very, again, resonant to me. Just the statistics and the more research that's done on screen time is something that is, should be alarming to us and just our use of yes. it and how, um, you know, everyone says we're addicted to it and we are. And I don't mean, I mean, I use my phone a lot like everyone else, but uh, it is something that has to be taken notice of, especially with teens who are growing up with this. You know, I'm, old enough and quote unquote to remember when smartphones didn't exist and so but a lot of the people that we're preaching to don't have that knowledge and so they're kind of right. this, they've been inundated with this uh since they were born just like my you know my 17 month old she knows how to use a smartphone already which is pretty crazy and it's like really scary um which is also kind of ironic to me because, you know, those Facebook commercials, because they're doing the course correction on data privacy, blah, blah, blah. And they say, right. you know, I think it's Mark Zuckerberg's voice on those. He says, like, because when this thing is used as it's meant to be, we can all come closer, which is kind of ironic because uh, in and of itself, Facebook and social media actually draws us more apart. And that's uh, not sure. just, a, that's just a statement. That's a fact um, of just, you know. Well, I don't know, science, relational science. I don't know what you want to say there, but it's, it's <laughs> the social media in and of itself, while it's meant to quote unquote, bring us together, actually separates us more and isolates us more. Anyways, all that to say that, yes, um, again, the ar accurate articulation of how grace, and I would say the gospel of grace impacts that impacts the way we teach our teens is so important. I think that's a huge challenge for youth ministers as they're navigating parental relationships, you know, with parents who just want their teens to not drink or not have premarital sex and be fine right. and try and drive into something deeper. That's no, it's, it's more than that. 
And I think that's a huge, obviously a huge challenge for youth uh, ministers today. Um, as an editor, though, Charlotte, um, what would you say is one of your best pieces of advice for young writers? You know, th- I think that this will change throughout my career. Hmm. But right now, I have this phrase that I think I've stolen from somebody, but I don't remember <laughs> who. Um, which is put yourself up as proof. Um, it's something that I try to do in my writing is put myself up as proof that there is a God who loves sinners. And, uh, I, I want, I wish that I had more writers who would get personal with their experiences as a youth minister. And and I think that's in part because that's what I would have wanted as a youth minister. And I didn't have Mm. that, but to see like very specific stories about like a a particular student, you know, there's ways that you can change the identity um, of a person, but I think getting personal and I think narrative is so important. Um, It all, all falls under the same thing, but I think don't be afraid to put your story on paper because that i mean stories i mean the bible is the greatest story of all time stories yeah. are what change us um and and i really feel that um personal elements of story are what makes it stick um anyway yeah that's my i think that's probably my thing right now but again that, that i'm sure that'll change throughout <laughs> well it's interesting to me um even as i've done my own sort of blogging writing over the years it's always interesting to find or to when you do like sort of the research on which pieces have the most feedback or get the most sort of buzz, if you want to use that word. And it's always strikes me funny and sort of sad when I've spent like a couple days on a piece that's like 2,200 words and really awesome in terms of its, you know, uh, exposition of a text doesn't really get anything in a piece that I write in about two hours that's right. maybe 800 words is way more resonant to people and all my family is like wow that was amazing and uh it's so it's interesting to me and i think that's it should tell us something about what people are looking for um and i think that's important as a writer but also as an editor to kind of articulate that um which you do quite well i would say um, I also think, though, I mean, I, I think that every internet writer has your exact same story, Brad. I know I do. Like, my, the articles <laughs> that I just love that I think are going to really mean something to people, nobody yeah. reads. Yeah. And then the ones that I'm like, what in the world? I guess I'll just put this out there, you know, or the opposite. Like, that. that is, I think that there, that is also says something about the attention span of a reader on the internet. Mm. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah. I think sometimes the more thoughtful pieces don't get, grab the attention in that blog context. Now, yeah. I think that I also, or I hope rather, maybe I, I selfishly hope that that doesn't stay true. Mm. Um but I mean, I guess time will tell. I, I heard this is like one of the most depressing things ever. I heard somebody say that people read blog articles in the shape of an F. They read the first two paragraphs and then skim the rest. Mm. And I was like, well, that just made me sad. <laughs> that makes me sad too. 
as a that huge makes me really sad. <laughs> but know, I you. also feel this like resistance to that. It's like, so yeah. what? Like, there's got to be another way. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Like, you've got to just ride it out, and then hopefully <laughs> it'll at least be. I don't know. You, um, well, you know me, Charlotte. I'm a big fan of long form writing, and you've had to cut me down a lot in terms of yeah. my chunks of stuff. So, um, oh, yeah. I'm gonna soldier on in that, and I'm not afraid of a ten minute. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You're a great writer. <laughs> um, but I, I think that is important to um, to not sort of just. I think there is a space for both. You know, this is that yes. Ecclesiastes thing. There's a time for both types of writing. Yes. And there's a time for really introspective stuff that's uh, longer and more thoughtful. And I think, uh, hopefully, like you were saying, that doesn't go away. And it, uh, me personally, I especially don't hope that long form writing doesn't go the way of the dodo, so to speak. Um, yes. What, uh, Another thing, though, I want to ask you is what's what books um, are you currently reading if you have time and what books have impacted you uh, the most in recent years? Oh, this is a hard question. So I am currently reading Tish Harris Warren's. Is it Tish Harris? Tish Harris and Warren's The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Hmm. And I've been reading it. That's one of those books that I feel like I've been reading slowly and then hmm. popping other books in between it, but it is really good. I really recommend it. She basically the structure of the book is like from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep. So like each chapter is like, you know, the first chapter is waking up. The next chapter might be breakfast. The next chapter is losing your keys is one of the chapters, hmm. but they're all, she connects them all to a different part of liturgy and life. And it is just, it's a really cool and important book she's really smart too so it's like it's a very it's a great book mm. um books that have mattered the most to me are we talking theology or any book anything it's all game all right i feel like in my life i don't know if you're this way but as a read i love to read but i also go on hiatuses and there's always like a specific book that draws me back into my love of reading <laughs> um as a as a young kid I loved to read um and so like Chronicles of Narnia always one of my favorite line the witch in the wardrobe it just doesn't get any better than that mm. um one of the books that I read as a like middle school student that made me remember that reading wasn't just for school that it was really awesome is this is so random but it's the book Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier <laughs> It's uh, still holds up. It is so good. It's like feels very much like Sherlock Holmes ish to me. Mm. Um, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. I'm obviously a huge fantasy person. Um, mm. One of my favorite books is Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close by mm -hmm. Jonathan Saffron Bower. Um, and then one of the books that has had the most impact on my writing it just sort of like open, you know, you know, when you read something and you're like, Oh, I can do that. Like I had no idea I could write like that. <laughs> um, it is bossy pants by Tina Fey. <laughs> I, it, it is one of the funniest books I've ever read in my entire life. Like uh, my husband will tell you, he could tell you when and where I was reading that book. Um, because I kept making him listen to excerpts <laughs> of it. Um, and yeah, that, those are the ones I would say. Theologically, I have to think. I, I wish that I could say that I'm like, oh, yeah, duh, this one. Um, but I'm kind of 
I feel like a little flat on that right now. No, know. that's okay. It's good <laughs> to have a well-rounded sort of reading horizon. I, I don't, yeah, I need to expand my horizons. That's what I've, I haven't bought a theological book lately. Uh, I've been trying to uh, buy more ones that don't have necessarily a Christological bent and just uh, yeah. expand my horizons that way. Um, sort of as we close though, Charlotte, I would ask you one more question as this. If you, because I've been thinking about this lately as a young guy, I mean, I'm in my late 20s, but I've been in ministry for a while, and uh, I've, I would say I've had quite a, f a few experiences in ministry world and in life. Um, if you could kind of tell your younger self one thing about life and or ministry, what do you think that that one thing would be? Oh, that's really tough. I think if I could tell my younger self one thing about life, because this is really something I still have to tell myself like 10 times a day, at least is you do not have to earn your affirmation and acceptance in life. Mm. Um, God already loves you and affirms you and there's nothing you can do to change that. Mm. Um, and in ministry, you know, I, when I first really, like, really got into Christianity and, like, drank the Kool-Aid and everything, I thought ministry needed to be becoming a missionary in Africa. Like, I really try. <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. That was my goal. It was like, I have to go to the, like, you know, the heart of darkness. And <laughs> um, it was so much about me, I think, mm. also way less about the people that I wanted to tell um, Jesus about. And I think, so I think what I would say is like, is the people who need the people who need the good word of the gospel are right next to you They're They could be extremely wealthy. They could have everything in the world. Um, some of the saddest people in the world, you'll have no idea um, feel that way. I think that's what I would say. I mean, that maybe seems like a note, duh, but I do feel like in this like social justice oriented culture, which is a great thing. We, we forget about people who also seem like they have it all. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. And poor you know, spirit, that, <laughs> which is that really old... where my heart is ministry wise is the poor in spirit. Mm. Yes. And I would say <laughs> That speaks to me just because, you know, that old song that I used to sing in Sunday school, Be a Missionary Every Day. Um, I'm not going to sing it here. Cause it was... <laughs> but that old song is kind of true. Is, is In your daily life, who are you, quote unquote, being a missionary to? And and um, I don't know. That, that's something that's not always uh, preached to a people that are called to be, quote unquote, radical. And right. uh, not, to, not to open that can of worms. But. Uh, you know, I think that is resonant to some people uh, with the fact that they don't have to, you know, as you said, go off to the heart of darkness in order to preach the heart of the gospel. And I think that that's something that should be uh, communicated a lot more loudly. <laughs> yes. And even like, what is your, what is your heart motivation? I'm, this is totally coming from my own story. So it's not like I'm not looking at somebody else who's doing that. I'm thinking, my like my deep down motivation that I couldn't have identified at the time was for sure like how cool it would 
be. And like, mm-hmm. it was about my identity as this like African missionary, you know what I mean? Yeah. And way less about actually spreading the gospel where like, obviously what I've come to know since then is like my skills and my calling is, you know, towards like young acad- academics, you know, sure, <laughs> like yeah. it's not, it's not at all towards like, you know, the, the seriously impoverished. So mm-hmm. anyway. Well, and as, as you said, and as we've talked about here, your legacy and your affirmation isn't up to that fact. If you go off and do right. that, it's secure in Jesus's blood. That's kind of the whole point. So, yes. um, Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. I thank you for, uh, just opening up this time slot for me. It's been great to chat with you and, uh, I hope this can happen again. And uh, so thank you. And I will be praying for you. So much fun, Brad. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Charlotte for coming on the show today. Make sure you read the blog notes for this episode and check out all the great resources that are going to be listed there. Lots of great stuff there. Um, Take advantage of that. But that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you just heard, be sure to follow the show on Twitter at underscore Ministry Minded. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, on SoundCloud, and on Google Play. And if you're feeling generous, you can leave me a short review in iTunes. That'll uh, help me out a lot. But thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring this show. And thank you, as always, for your, for your listens, for your comments, and for your subscribes. <laughs> I'll see you on the next episode, guys. Blessings.